0: Season, lads, are you ready to explore Scotland with the eggs? They'll check out an amazing castle, play some bagpipes, and even learn about a monster that lives in the sea. Ooh, come on, they're landing now. Shelly's singing voice could be heard across two rows of airplane ocean. seats. My Bonnie lies over the sea. My Bonnie lies over the ocean. Oh, bring back my Bonnie to me. Soon the rest bring of the passengers joined back, in. Bring back, bring back, oh, bring back, back my Bonnie to me, to me. Bring back, bring back, back oh, bring back my Bonnie to me. me. They hey. clapped and let out a cheer as the plane descended into Edinburgh Airport. Shelley, what was that song? Everyone seemed to know it. How fun, remarked Sigourney. That's an old Scottish folk song, replied Shelley. It reminds me of my Aunt Bonnie who lives in Scotland. That's why I started singing it. Are we going to meet your Aunt Bonnie, asked Meg? You sure are, my Aunt Bonnie and Uncle Ian. We will be staying with them at their beautiful home in the city of Inverness. But first, we'll stay in Edinburgh the capital city of Scotland, for about a week or so, replied Shelley. Aunt Bonnie is my mother's sister. My mother was born here in Scotland. That's very interesting, Shelley. You have a Scottish heritage, added Miss Poach. And I'm proud of it. Look, I wore my tartan for the occasion. She pulled back her jacket and revealed an attractive plaid scarf, which had a criss-cross pattern of brown, blue and white. This tartan pattern is part of my mother's family heritage. Other families may have different patterns and colors, depending on their own heritage. I wanted to get an authentic plaid blanket while I was here in Scotland, said Meg's mom. Oh, you'll love it, said Shelley. The plane touched down smoothly. Everyone gathered their bags and met outside of the airport. As I told you earlier, Edinburgh is the capital city of Scotland. There are approximately 500,000 people that live there. We'll stay at a hotel for a while so we can explore the area, then we'll move on to Aunt Bonnie and Uncle Ian's. After we check in and get settled, the first stop tomorrow afternoon is Edinburgh Castle. A castle? A real castle? I can't wait! exclaimed Reggie, as he energetically jumped up and down. It will be so cool to explore a real castle! Come on, buddy, Gregory cautioned. Let's get to the hotel first. After dinner, everyone settled into their rooms for a good night's rest. The next day at morning lessons, Miss Poach began to teach about Edinburgh Castle. Edinburgh Castle sits upon an enormous rock known as Castle Rock. Castle Rock was formed when a volcano erupted millions of years ago. There's a lot of history associated with the rock. Many civilizations lived there at different times. However, the first real mention of a castle is around the year 1139. King David I reigned at that time. That's so interesting, commented Meg. What else happened there Miss Poach? Well, it was a home to the royal families until around 1600. It later became a military base and a fortress and was attacked many times over the centuries during some battles. It's a very important part of Scottish history. Well, what's it used for now, asked Gregory. Now it's owned by the Scottish government and is a tourist attraction. Come on, let's take an early lunch and get ready to go. After lunch, everyone boarded the tour bus for Edinburgh Castle. As they approached the massive structure, Reggie imagined a battle taking place. I can picture an army of soldiers over there on that big grassy area. I bet they had cannons in the castle too. Shelly took the group to the entrance. I got permission to take you on a private tour since I've been here many times. Follow me. The gigantic stone structure was incredible. I feel like an ant, said Gregory as he looked up at the sky-high ceilings. This place is awesome. Come on everyone, it's almost one o'clock. We want to make sure we see and hear the one o'clock gun. Shelly rushed everyone to the high stone balcony area where a large cannon stood with a soldier next to it, ready to set it off. I knew there were cannons here, shouted Reggie. Coach Flo turned to Shelley. What's the one o'clock gun? The cannon was first fired in 1861 to help ships with navigation. It was fired at one o'clock so ships could set their marine clocks. That was before the days of satellite navigation, Shelley explained. Although ships don't need the cannon anymore, the tradition is still carried out today. They fire the cannon at 1 o'clock every day, except on Sunday. So interesting, exclaimed Reggie's dad. I'm amazed. All right, cover your ears, everyone. Here it comes. Shelly warned the group as they watched the soldier walk staunchly over to the cannon. He leaned over and set it off. The smoke quickly cleared off the windy balcony. That was cool, shouted Reggie. Wow. Let's get going. We have a lot of rooms to cover. We'll need to see the museums, the chapel, the palace, and even the crown jewels. Shelley led everyone back down the wide stone staircase to continue the tour of the castle. As they continued down the staircase, Sigourney asked, what are the crown jewels, Shelley? The crown jewels are made up of a beautiful crown, a scepter, and a sword that the royals used for their coronations. They are known to be the oldest crown jewels in the British Isles, she answered. Some say they hold many secrets. Shelley roused their curiosity as she put her finger to her lips. Shh! Ooh, I want to see those, exclaimed Meg. Well, let's go to the lower level and find them, said Shelley. She led everyone to the spot where they could gaze upon the objects. Mary Queen of Scots was the first to use these crown jewels together at her coronation in 1543, but I must mention, she was only a baby at the time. The crown jewels were later buried in the 1600s to keep them safe from any enemies, and then locked away in a chest in the 1700s. And they weren't found again until the 1800s. This crown sure is beautiful, remarked Sigourney's mom. The gold and the velvet are lovely. So are the pearls and other precious gems. And I think that's an amethyst on top of the crown. She examined every inch of it with her stare. Later, as they exited the castle doors and began walking toward the bus, Reggie heard a familiar sound. Listen, Gregory, do you hear that? It's bagpipes! He quickly ran ahead in the direction of the music. Awesome! Look at those bagpipes! Do you think you'll let me try them? Reggie turned to Gregory in hope of some support. I don't think so, Reggie. You can't just start playing the bagpipes. It takes a long time to learn. You need to practice your breathing technique because it takes a lot of lung power and also strong lip muscles to play them. Reggie was disappointed in Gregory's answer but continued to study the bagpiper. He was fascinated with the idea of air coming out of the bag to create music through the pipes. The rest of the group walked up and they enjoyed the bagpiper for another few minutes before returning to the bus. The rest of the week was filled with morning lessons and afternoon exploring in Edinburgh. Shelly showed the group some beautiful gardens, the Edinburgh Zoo, and then they also took some time out for a fantastic day of shopping down the Royal Mile. Meg's mom purchased a tartan blanket of red, yellow, and white. I can't wait to snuggle up with this when we get home, mom, said Meg. The following week, Shelly gave instructions for leaving Edinburgh. Tomorrow afternoon, we will board the train for Inverness, where Aunt Bonnie and Uncle Ian will greet us when we arrive. The train ride is several hours, so bring something to read, take a nap, or enjoy the beautiful scenery. The next day on the train, the eggs were relaxing as they looked out the window at the lush green landscape. Scotland is very beautiful, Sigourney commented. It sure is, replied Coach Flo. She turned to Shelley with a question. Shelley, isn't Inverness the town where they have the Loch Ness Lake? Loch Ness is a loch, which is just like a lake and it is a freshwater water lot and very deep. And yes, it's not too far from Inverness. Why do you ask? Shelly replied. Well, continued Coach Flo, legend has it that Nessie lives in Loch Ness. Who's Nessie? Asked Meg. Coach Flo replied in a loud voice as she raised her arms high in the air to show Nessie's size. Nessie is a big monster that lives in the Loch Ness water. They say she looks like a combination of a sea serpent and a dinosaur. People have sworn they've seen her. Shelly chuckled at Coach Blow's description. Don't worry about Nessie children. If she does exist, she keeps to herself and doesn't bother anyone. She's harmless. Shelly, Nessie is not real. Don't you scare the children too. Miss Poach was beginning to feel a bit anxious. Shh, Miss Poach, you never know. It's a mystery. Shelly whispered as she put her finger to her lips. That's just ridiculous. Children, don't listen to such nonsense. Miss Poach sat back in her seat and changed the subject. Reggie, maybe Uncle Ian has some bagpipes for you to try out. Oh, I sure hope so, he replied. The train pulled into the Inverness station, and Aunt Bonnie and Uncle Ian were there with smiling faces and waving arms. Shelly, my dear, over here, they shouted as the group approached them. It's so wonderful to see you, Lassie. They gave Shelly a great big hug. Introduce us to your friends. After the introductions, Gregory asked Shelly, why did Aunt Bonnie and Uncle Ian call you Lassie? Before Shelly could answer, Uncle Ian explained, Lassie is the word we use for young girl. Do you understand, lad? And lad must be the word for young boy, right? Replied Gregory. You got it, lad, (laughs) laughed Uncle Ian as he tousled Gregory's hair. Now let's go and get everyone settled in at our home. Uncle Ian and Aunt Bonnie's home was very welcoming. The large rooms were bright, neat, and tidy, and filled with relaxing, comfy furniture. Reggie's mom plopped down into an overstuffed chair. I'm exhausted, she said as she let out a loud sigh. I'm going to sit right here and relax for a while. Take all the time you need, replied Aunt Bonnie. I'm going to fix a grand meal for all of us. A few hours later, dinner was ready. Come on everyone, sit down and enjoy some scotch pie. We're having pie for dinner, Gregory asked as he scratched his head. I thought that was for dessert. (laughs) Aunt Bonnie laughed. This is scotch pie. It's what you would call a chicken pot pie, except this pie is filled with mutton. And before you ask, mutton is sheep. It's very tasty. Aunt Bonnie was right. The scotch pie had a flaky brown crust and was filled with seasoned mutton. They put a huge scoop of mashed potatoes on top of the pie along with a ladle full of gravy. This is delicious, commented Sigourney's dad. After dinner, Uncle Ian went into the kitchen and brought out dessert. Now for the real pie, he said. Aunt Bonnie makes the best blayberry pie in town. What's a blayberry? asked Reggie. A blayberry is much like a blueberry, explained Aunt Bonnie. They are very good for you and make delicious pies." Reggie turned to Uncle Ian and curiously asked, Do you think Nessie likes Blayberries? Reggie, why on earth would you ask such a thing? I told you Nessie is make-believe. Miss Poach quickly tried to squash the situation. Shh, Miss Poach, you never know. It's a mystery. Uncle Ian whispered as he put his finger to his lips. That's the same thing I told her, added Shelley, as she gobbled down the last bite of her pie. Nonsense, snapped Miss Poach. She finished her pie and quietly said, I'm feeling tired now. I'm going to bed. Thank you for a fine dinner, Aunt Bonnie and Uncle Ian. After she left the room, Uncle Ian remarked, I hope I didn't offend Miss Poach. She seemed upset when we spoke about Nessie. Don't worry, Uncle Ian, answered Coach Flo. Miss Poach gets a little spooked about those kinds of things. In Zambia, she thought she was being attacked by a snake, but it was only a vine. In Israel, she was afraid to go swimming in the sea. Then in Egypt, a camel spit all over her. I'm not surprised she doesn't like to talk about Nessie. Everyone chuckled and thanked at Bonnie and Uncle Ian for their wonderful hospitality. They settled in their rooms for the evening to get some rest. The next morning, as the eggs were walking around the property, they came upon an old barn. "'I wonder what's in there,' inquired Gregory." They walked into the barn only to find a large empty space with some hay and a few odd tools. I thought maybe we would find a horse in there, said Reggie. Oh well. They began to leave the barn when something caught Reggie's eyes. In the corner of the barn it looked like a set of bagpipes sticking out of the hay. Reggie walked over to it and began to clear away the hay. Sure enough, there was an old set of bagpipes laying there. Gregory, look! Do you think these are Uncle Ian's? Maybe he'll teach me how to play. Just then Uncle Ian walked into the barn. I was out for my walk and I thought I heard some rustling around in here. What are you eggs up to? Uncle Ian, are these your bagpipes? Can you show me how to play them, Reggie pleaded. Sure lad, they could use a little love. They haven't been played in a very long time. I played these for Aunt Bonnie before we were married. His tender smile showed the eggs how much he loved Aunt Bonnie. He picked up the bagpipes and brushed off the hay. First you must fill the bag with air, he said as he blew into one of the pipes. Then you apply pressure at different points to make the music. Uncle Ian began to play a song. The tune was familiar to the eggs and they began to sing. Uncle Ian stopped. Oh, you know that song, do ya? The eggs giggled. Peggy replied, we sang it on the plane as we landed in Scotland. Shelly told us it reminds her of Aunt Bonnie. Uncle Ian showed the same tender smiles. He began to show Reggie how to hold the bagpipes. Okay, Reggie, my lad, you are holding them correctly. Now blow! Meg, Sigourney, Gregory, and Peggy, and even Uncle Ian, covered their ears. A dog began howling in the distance. Uncle Ian gently took the bagpipes from Reggie. Through his chuckling, he said, You see, lad, it takes much time and practice to play these pipes correctly. Come on, let's get back to the house. Tonight we're going to go on a night fishing excursion. I have a large fishing boat that will seat all of us comfortably. And if we're lucky, we might catch a glimpse of Nessie. Uncle Ian's eyes sparkled as he announced the adventure. As nighttime approached, the group was getting ready to board the boat. I think I'll wait here, politely said Miss Poach. Oh, come on, Miss Poach, go with us. I thought you said Nessie was just a legend, urged Coach Flo. This is your chance to prove it. Very well, I'll go to prove my point. She reluctantly responded. As the group was on the boat for about an hour, Reggie's dad felt a tug on his fishing line. He planted his freak firmly on the deck of the boat and reeled in an 18-inch trout. Wow, dad, that's awesome, Reggie exclaimed. Nice job, commented Uncle Ian. Here, put it in this bucket. Another hour passed and Miss Poach was getting anxious. It was getting real dark and there was a chill in the air. Shouldn't we be getting back by now, Uncle Ian? It's getting late. Uh, The children have lessons in the morning. All right, Miss Poach. I was just about to head back to shore anyway. Uncle Ian began to turn the boat around. Just then, a ferocious gust of wind blew out of nowhere and shook the boat violently from side to side. Everyone screamed and shouted and held on tightly to whatever was within their reach. They didn't want to be thrown overboard. The bucket that held the trout that Reggie's dad had caught was thrown into the air. The trout flew out of the bucket and hit Miss Poach in the back. Her scream could be moved well into the next county. Nessie's got me! Help! Help! Nessie's got me! The thought of Nessie was too much for her to bear and she fainted on the boat's deck everyone, I got everything under control. Sometimes these things happen out here. Uncle Ian shouted in an assuring voice. The wind blew to calm and he quickly maneuvered the boat to a steady position. Whew, you have to be ready for anything on the sea, he added. Is everyone okay? Yes, I think so, said Coach Flo as she looked around to assess everyone. Wait a minute, where's Miss Poach? There she is, shouted Peggy. She and Shelly ran over to Miss Poach. She was lying under a bench that was thrown against the side of the boat. Peggy and Shelly quickly pulled her out from under the bench and poured a little water on her face. Miss Poach, can you hear me? Asked Peggy as she gently tapped her cheeks. Miss Poach opened her eyes and asked, What happened? Are we alive? Shelly breathed a sigh of relief as she smiled at Miss Poach. We're all okay. That big bad trout scared you. You thought it was Nessie. Miss Poach felt embarrassed. She sat up and said, That's what hit me? The trout? Everyone chuckled. She quickly added, See? I told you Nessie was only a legend. Uncle Ian put his finger to his lips. "Shh, Miss Poach, don't say that too loud. Nessie might hear you. She shook her head and said, I just want to be on dry land. Can we go any faster, please? The egg smiled at Miss Poach and comforted her for the rest of the ride. Finally the boat docked and they all went back to Uncle Ian and Aunt Bonnie's. They shared a few laughs about the evening, had some warm milk and homemade cookies, and went to bed. The day came for them to leave Scotland and it held mixed feelings for the eggs. In a way they were anxious to get back home, but they also wished they could travel to more countries. Maybe when we get a little older we can do more traveling together, suggested Meg. That would be great! And this time, Benedict and Peggy can be with us for the entire trip, answered Sigourney. They made sure to write a postcard to Benedict. Reggie picked one with a picture of Nessie on it. Benedict will like this one, he said. We'll tell him we really saw Nessie. Reggie, no more nonsense, Miss Poach sternly said with a bit of a smile. They said their goodbyes to Uncle Ian and Aunt Bonnie. Shelly shed a few tears and promised to return soon. We'll miss you, Lassie, they said as they hugged. Make sure to give your mother our love. I will, Shelly assured them. Have a safe flight home, Aunt Bonnie waved as they left for the airport. As they sat on the plane ready for takeoff, Meg asked Shelly, how long is the flight back to New York? It will be about eight hours, replied Shelly. Once we land, we'll stay a couple of days to gather our thoughts and to meet with the United Nations before heading back to Albumen. They'll want to know how our year went. Well, I kept a detailed journal of our trip. I love to write in my journal, Meg proudly replied. I kept everything in my head, said Reggie. The memories of this year will never leave me. Miss Poach turned and smiled at both of them as the flight departed for New York. Soon all were asleep. Well, I'm sure glad Miss Poach wasn't hurt and that they didn't run into Nessie, if she even exists. Hmm. Anyway, here are some things you can do to learn more about Scotland. Create a map of Edinburgh Castle with all of its special areas and secret passageways. You can get a map online. Look up the history of the castle and choose one or two stories to talk about or create an imaginary story of your own. Sew a family plaid. Gather and sew or glue pieces of fabric into a unique pattern using each family member's favorite color. Give it a name and you'll have your own unique tartan. Try making scotch pie for dinner tonight. Real scotch pie uses mutton, which is sheep, but use chicken or beef instead. Look up the recipe. It will come out like a shepherd's pie or a chicken pie. Yummy. Look up bagpipers on the internet and watch them play their instruments. You might find them in a parade or other event. The sound is beautiful and fascinating. The bagpiper's clothes also have special meaning. Find out what that is. Research the legend of Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. Write your own story about the fabled creature. Turn out the lights and retell it to the family using lots of expression. And did you know the national animal of Scotland is the unicorn? Look up why. Next month will be the last chapter of book two. The eggs will return to America to meet with the United Nations. They'll give a full report on how their study abroad program impacted their lives. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a good egg.